Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go tonight to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, we want to begin a new series tonight. We have been on the series, uh, What the Spirit Says, and I think we were there for six or eight weeks. And uh, so that's, that will be available eventually. But uh, right tonight we want to begin a new series uh, that I've entitled, What Has Your Attention? What Has Your Attention? Uh, you know, I have uh, pastored full-time for almost 23 years. And I've never been political. Uh, Brother Hagin said one time, he said, pastors need to learn not to waste their time on politics. Now, I, I, I believe in, in telling people what's right and wrong where that's concerned. And, and you know, when elections come up, we'll, we'll present both the platforms to you of the major parties, and, and you can make your choice biblically. But the point is, is... Uh, you know, there are a lot of things that people get hung up on, and that's not what we're called to do. The local church is called to preach the Word and to keep the Word going in, in front of people and in, into their lives. And uh, the Lord said something to us. He said in the Word that He gave us for 2020, He said that 2020 would be a year of decision. And he said, it would be a year when a stand will have to be made. And he said, those who will stand for the word and for the principles in the word will find themselves more and more at odds with the world and the world system. And he said, there will come, if you can imagine, an even greater divide between what is right and wrong as the world continues to give heed to lying spirits and doctrines of devils. He said the decision to stand for truth and what is right is what will make the difference. And so notice what he said. He said that it would be, number one, a year of decision and a year when a stand would have to be made. So I've got to decide what's going to have my attention. And I have to stand for what the Word says. And he said, notice, he said there would be an even greater divide for what reason? Between what is right and wrong, for, for what reason? As the world continues to give heed to lying spirits and doctrines of devils. And he said the decision to stand for truth and what is right is what will make the difference. Now, standing for truth and what is right, of course that's in a moral aspect but it's also in what you're believing about victory. It's what you're believing about how things are going to go. I'll say this at the very outset. There are people that you know and I know, they're going to believe that everything's okay when the national worldly media tells them it's okay. Well, I'm telling you, it's okay right now. It's all good in the household of faith. Why? Because that's what Scripture says. The Bible says that each one of us that dwell in the secret place of the Most High God walk around all day long under His shadow and that no evil will befall us and no plague will come near our dwelling. The Bible calls our God our fortress, our rock, our high tower, our strong place. That, it's all good for us right now. It's amen. And for anybody that will believe it. But what has your attention. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, notice he says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed, notice, to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So why will they depart from the faith? Or that, 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 that phrase means their faith has been made shipwrecked. Why would their faith be made shipwrecked why are they departing from the faith? Scripture says, Paul says, because they give heed to 
seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That word giving heed, that phrase giving heed, it means to bring near or to turn the mind to, to attach oneself to, or to hold the mind towards. I'll say those again. To bring near, to turn the mind to, attach oneself to, or hold the mind towards. You need that one more time? To bring near, to turn the mind to, to attach oneself to, or hold the mind towards. So he says that these people will depart from the faith or have shipwreck in their faith because they will bring near, they'll turn their mind towards, they'll attach themselves to or hold their mind towards uh, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. All right? So we get the idea that giving heed to something is something that I willingly do. All right? Because I have to bring it near. Everything that I bring near, it's up to me. If, I, I, if, I, if it's near me, I bring it there. If I turn my mind to it, I had to turn my mind to it. If I attach myself to it, I have to do that. Amen. I have to hold my mind towards that. The Phillips translation says, they allow themselves to be spiritually seduced. So they had a choice. They had a choice. The uh, New English Bible says they give their minds to subversive doctrines inspired by devils. Notice they give their minds to it. The Jerusalem Bible says they choose to listen to deceitful spirits. So notice those, those words. They allow themselves, they give their minds, and they choose to listen. So important. What has my attention? So Paul says that these men would be deceived because they allowed, they gave their minds to, and they chose to listen to wrong teaching. Now that applies to anything that I hear. I remember one time I was meeting with a, a, a man of God that I, I still have great respect for uh, just because of what he's meant in my life. And uh, we were, I had noticed over the, over the uh, a couple years span of time that, uh, you know, some of his doctrine wasn't once what it was. I mean, it wasn't nearly as uh, uh, word of faith as it had been. And, and uh, so I met with him one day. We were, we were having lunch. And in the middle of the conversation, he began to tell me, you know, all the problems that he had with word of faith teaching. And then he made this statement uh, about Romans 4. He said, Philip, you know, uh, uh, calling those things that be not as though they were. He said, we can't do that. And I looked at him and I said, oh, okay. And he said, the Bible says God can do that. Well, I'm, immediately I'm thinking, but the Bible tells me to be imitator, an imitator of God. And one translation of Romans 4 where it says that uh, Abraham, uh, where it says uh, uh, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. One translation says Abraham became like God in that he called things that be not as though they were. Well, why, why would he start going down that road? Because something had his attention other than the truth. Your doctrine just doesn't change without you giving your attention to something that's wrong. I have to give my attention to it. And so Paul told Timothy, the pastor, he said, this is what's going to happen in the latter days. People are going to be having trouble. They're going to depart from the faith. They're going to shipwreck their faith because they give their attention. They give their focus. They allow their minds to, to, to dwell on things that are seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. But that applies to anything that you're listening to, Right? That applies to any, I, I've got to give my mind to it. If, uh, if, if a person is very well versed in negativity, they're listening to negativity. If a person knows a lot about conspiracy theories, they're listening to conspiracy theories. 
Folks, we got to be careful with what we're listening to because we have a responsibility as believers to keep our prayers going for our nation and for those that are in charge. And when you start buying into all this garbage that's being taught and being, being uh, touted out there that, you know, well, the government's trying to do this and the government's trying to do that. The Bible says in 1 Peter that you don't want to be those people that are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. He said, that's a problem. Well, it got quiet in this Presbyterian church. That, 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 that's a problem because you cannot expect the good and speak the bad. Remember what Jesus said about the abundance of the heart? What did he say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, how do you get things in abundance in your heart? Through your ears and through your eyes. You hear it and you see it. You read it and you hear it. And then your heart gets full of it. Amen. So what is holding my attention? And, and what you may be hearing may be right, but is that what you're supposed to be giving your attention to? I was talking with a person one time, and uh, 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 he had a disagreement with me, and here was the disagreement. Because I don't believe the earth's flat. Now, there are, there are people that believe that, and, and, and I don't, I'm not poking fun. I'm really not. But that was, that was the essence of the disagreement. And I told him, you've got more important things that you should be giving your attention to than this. Right? Because when something comes up in your life, it's not if the earth is round or flat that matters. It's what do you believe about the Word of God. That's what's going to count. People will get into all kind of arguments, you know, should, uh, about things like this. Should we keep the feast days? Should we do this? Should we do that? Should we celebrate Shabbat? Should we? Listen, here's the thing. What does the Word of God say about what you're dealing with? All your knowledge about all the feast days is irrelevant when it comes to you believing God for victory in your life. That can be something you look at, something that you, that you look into, but that, those are things that shouldn't keep your attention. The Word of God has to have my attention. Can you say amen? amen? So be selective about what has your attention. Be selective about what you hold your mind towards, what you choose to listen to and focus on. Why? Because... It can shipwreck your faith. Amen. I, 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 know, I, I have known people in my life that got to thinking the wrong way because they started listening to something because it sounded enticing, it sounded neat, it sounded new, it sounded, right? And it shipwrecked their faith. Hallelujah. So there are things I don't need to bring near me. There are things I don't need to turn my mind towards. Amen. You know, I'll, I'll say this. It should never enter your mind that you're not going to make it. Why? Scripture says you always triumph through Christ. Scripture says you're more than a conqueror. Amen. It should never enter your mind that your family is not going to be saved or your family isn't going to make it. Why? Because Scripture says the promise that your family would be saved is to you and to your children. Amen. So, if I have to turn my mind to something, it means I have to turn my mind from something else. If I've got to turn my mind to doubt and negativity, I had to turn it away from faith and victory. Amen. And that may seem elementary, but it's subtle. The other side, the thing that you're not supposed to be holding your attention on is subtle. It, 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 it's, it's like the enemy. It, it sneaks in there and tries to implant itself in your thinking. It's those what-if questions. 
right? I mean, you're maintaining a faith stance and the thought will come, well, what if? Well, what's that an attempt to do? To get your attention. To get your attention on the what if. When you get your attention over on the what if, you have got it off of what the Word says. The what if does not contain faith. The Word contains faith. Amen. So truth should be what holds my attention. Amen. Say that out loud with me. Truth should be what holds my attention. What does the truth say? Learn to understand it and differentiate between facts and truth. Facts are a real thing. But what's the truth say? What's the truth of the situation? Is that right? I, I was going in the grocery store today and, and uh, uh, after I got uh, left from the office and I was going in the grocery store and a lady was, a lady was coming out of the door and uh, uh, she was standing there. and You know, she's kind of frustrated, uh, you know, taking her face covering off and, and, and I was getting ready to put mine on and uh, uh, she looked at me, she said, Oh, what a time to be living, huh? And I just, you know, I said, yeah, it is. I said, it's great. We're going to get through it. And she kind of went, oh. And I just, I put my face covering on. I said, one day closer to normal. That was it. She couldn't handle it. She couldn't handle it anymore. I don't know. Amen. Look, I'm not just an eternal optimist. Scripture says the pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter unto a more perfect day. I can't help that the world wants to go into darker darkness. I'm going to go into more glory and more light because I don't have to participate with what they're participating in. Amen. Am I, am I making sense? It's what holds your attention. Hallelujah. You know, we've had some beautiful weather lately. Been hot, but welcome to Arkansas, right? We've had some beautiful weather. And I told my wife the other day, I said, there are people that have got up this morning and they don't see that beautiful sunrise. They don't see the flowers blooming. They don't see the birds flying. Their attention is so focused on what's going on in the world that they are not even enjoying their life and enjoying this beautiful day that God's given them because something else has their attention. It's up to me what I choose to think on. And people will say, well, that's just a denial of facts. Or No, no it's not. It's the Scripture tells me that whatever is good and whatever is just and whatever is holy and whatever is pure, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, think on those things. Do you see that? Now, there's no wiggle room there. I'm told what to think on. I'm told to keep my mind on those things. Yeah, but it's hard. Who said it was easy? The Word never said it was easy. To pull your mind and your flesh over into a place of submission to the Word requires effort every day. You got to get up every day and put your flesh in its place and say, we are going to think what God thinks today and we're going to look the way God looks and act the way God looks and be the way God is because this is what the Word of God says. Amen. With everything that's going on in, in your life, it still comes back to what has your attention. When faith begins to weaken, it's because there's an attention deficit on what God said. Amen. Look at Titus chapter 1. Am I helping you tonight? Titus chapter 1. And uh, verse... Oh, let's start in verse, uh, let's start in verse 10. Because now remember that Titus was, uh, they, they say the bishop of Crete, the pastor of the church at Crete, and Paul is writing him, and he says in verse 10, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers 
especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. All right, so they're lazy. And he said in verse 13, now look, the apostle Paul said this, this witness is true. So he's right, is what he's saying. Then he said, wherefore rebuke them sharply, now watch this, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Do you see that? What did he say? He said, rebuke them sharply so they won't listen to this stuff that will turn them from the truth. And notice what he said in uh, uh, verse 13. Rebuke them sharply for what reason? That they may be sound in faith. So in other words, if they keep listening to this and you don't do something about it, it's going to affect the soundness of their faith. Now, the word sound means something to me because growing up in West Texas, wait for it, bless its holy name. <laughs> I, uh, uh, of course, I, I, grew up, I grew up on the ranch. I grew up team roping. Uh, I, I thought that was going to be the pathway for my life for a little while till the call of God became very clear and evident to me. But uh, I, I knew if, when you were buying a horse, the first thing you want to know was, was he sound? meaning complete, whole, no weak points. Why? Because a horse, to me, was never a pet. It was a tool. It's part of my job. Matter of fact, I didn't just have one. I had a couple. They, 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 they had to be sound because that's how I made my living. Right? And so to have an unsound horse is to hurt your ability to produce income. If you have unsound faith, you cannot have victory. Because the Bible says in 1 John 5, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith is the shield that quenches every fiery dart of the wicked. Faith is how you please God. And Paul says right here that if they keep listening to this, they won't be sound or their faith will not be sound. Faith is the indispensable tool in your tool belt. You can't do anything without it. And and all the negativity, not just in the world and on the media, All the negativity in the world, the negativity the enemy tries to bring, the negativity family tries to bring, it's an attempt to get you to turn your focus from what is producing faith to what will make your faith unsound. Amen. Do you see this? Every time you're hearing something, it's producing one of two things, faith or fear. Period. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But now, now listen though. How can it be then that people, the, two people can sit in the same church, in the same service, and one will not just get it, but one will keep their attention on what was said, and the other one will go out and lose their attention? Because hearing is not just hearing the noise. Hearing is a heart issue. I hear it and I take it in. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. That's the only way it comes. Faith does not come any other way. Faith does not come by osmosis. Faith does, I remember Pastor Caldwell telling a story about his roommate in college that uh, 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 took this guy like eight years to graduate a, a four-year course. But anyway, uh, 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 <laughs> he would take his textbook at night and put it under his head. And Pastor Caldwell said, I would ask him, well, are you going sli- to study? And he said, no, I'm going to absorb the knowledge while I sleep. Didn't work. Amen. Faith only comes by hearing. Faith only comes by hearing. 
Strengthening your faith is going to be dependent upon how much you're hearing of the Word of God. Well, right on the other other side of that, fear only comes by hearing. Amen. What has my attention? And so he said, notice, rebuke them so they'll be sound in the faith. And tell them not to give heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that do what? Turn from the truth. They turn from the truth. Everything that you're seeing, hearing, listening to is either truth or a fable. Yeah, but it was on the news. Don't mean it's true. Yeah, but I read it in the paper. It doesn't mean it's true. The only thing that you can be sure that's always true that you read is when you read the Word and hear the Word. That's always true. Amen. So what has your attention? What has your attention? Hallelujah. The fruit in our lives comes from what holds our attention. If if you look at a person's life and the fruit that you see is evidence of what has their attention. I remember uh, back in uh, 2000, well, 99 actually, and uh, of course you all remember the the big Y2K debacle. And I had a guy coming to the church. He was a good guy, ex-country music singer, had made his fortune in country music. And uh, 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 he would invite me over to his house. Me and a good friend of mine from Nigeria would go over to his house on, on Mondays and pray. And, uh, oh, but he was prepping. He was, he was a prepper before anybody knew what preppers were. And at that time, he had spent like $10,000 on preparations for Y2K. I mean, he had big Bertha water filters. He had the MREs. I mean, he had taken cash down and... and and had it all transferred over into silver. He had all these silver, $20 silver pieces. Gave me a bag of them for the church. You say, what'd you do with them? Paid the church van off. (laughs) Amen. But the point is, is, you know, all of that, all that expense, all that was going on. Why? Because that's why I had his attention. Amen. Amen. And there were men of God that we trusted that was saying, look, this is going to be okay. The Lord told me it's not going to be a big deal. I let the church know. I said, you do what you want, but this is what I'm sensing. It's not going to be a big deal. No, he just kept spending that money and spending that money. And you know what? January 1st, 2000 rolled around and the clock hit 12 midnight and nothing happened. So he just had a room full of unusable stuff. I mean, he could use it, I guess, if he wants to eat it now. But What has your attention? This, this can seem elementary, but the people that you deal with on a daily basis, when you talk to them for five minutes, you can see what has their attention. And there are people in the world that have no hope. They have lost hope because of what has their attention. Amen. Notice in Isaiah 26, Isaiah chapter 26. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 26 and 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So you will keep him in perfect peace. It's that perfected peace. It's double peace. It means peace, peace, right? Complete peace. Whose mind, center column reference of my Bible says thoughts or imagination. Whose thoughts or imaginations are stayed on you. Stayed. When that, that word stayed, it means to rest or to stay on something. So when our mind is stayed on something, it's resting on that thing. And Isaiah says that the person that has double peace or perfect peace, 
is the person whose mind, whose thoughts and imaginations are stayed or resting on God. Now, they're not just going to stay there. I got to keep them there. Amen. Your mind doesn't stay on the truth anymore and your hair stays combed. You got to get up every day and do it. I got to get up every day and choose what I'm going to keep my mind stayed on. Right? This is the year of the manifestation of your expectation. Well, but it's been a different year, hadn't it? And what does that change? Did you see where the focus can be? Amen. I've talked to people and the first words out of their mouth, well, who would have ever thought this? Well, okay. But haven't you ever... (laughs) Have you ever had anything else come on you that you weren't expecting? What'd you do? You just got through it. We, we, we live for over 20 years in, in Kansas City. We get, they get bad weather there. I mean, cold weather, snowy weather, right? Uh, it, it, it got down here one, one week down in the 30s. And I was talking to a couple people, and they said, oh, it's, ooh. And I said, what are y'all going to do when it gets cold? I'm not making fun. Don't don't misunderstand me. But I mean, uh, now Richard has lived where it's really cold. But uh, uh, we we would have weeks. We had one week there uh, a few years ago. It never got above 10 below zero for a week. We got got, got two or three foot of snow in a week. And people say, what would you do? What do you mean what would you do? We shoveled the driveway and went to work. And my parents were living in Florida, and they'd call me, and they'd say, well, how y'all making it through the storm? I said, just fine. Got our boots on, just going on. Right? You, you, you don't take time to focus on, oh, it snowed, and? Right? You don't call into work and say, I'm not coming because there's snow. Uh, you can come in late, but you need to come in. Yeah, but it snowed, and? Now, here it's different, right? I mean, it's different, and it should be different. It's a different part of the country. But, 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 but think about that. What is my mind stayed on? Because if it's, if it's stayed on the problem, then the problem is what's going to keep my attention, and it will drain my faith and make it unsound. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're letting on. So I have perfect peace when my mind is stayed on God and His Word. But I can also have perfect fear or perfect anxiety if my mind is stayed on what produces those things. Amen. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. See, faith is your responsibility. The, 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 the strength of your faith is up to you. God gives everybody, according to Romans chapter 12, verse 3, the measure of faith. Right? He said, do not, do not let any man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. According to his God has dealt to each man the measure of faith. Well, that's that measure of saving faith. When you got born again, God supplied you with a starter measure of faith. Now, according to to, uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians, it can grow exceedingly. It comes by hearing, so I can grow it. I can mature it. But that's up to me. So the strength of my faith is up to me. But also what's up to me is how much fear and anxiety is in my life. That's up to me. Amen. I had a person tell me one time, they said, you're just living in a dream world. I said, that's right. Don't wake me up. I like it over here. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, sometimes you just got to face facts. I have. Genesis to Revelation. I face facts in every 66 books of the Bible, and the facts of the Word say I win. 
So that settles the issue. I can take this and change anything. It's just the way it is. I can take it and change it. But I've got to give my attention to it. My faith is up to me. The strength of my faith is up to me. The operation of my faith is up to me. A lady came to Brother Copeland one time and said, Brother Copeland, I don't know what's wrong. The situation isn't changing. She said, I got all the faith in the world. And, you, you know, of course, Brother Copeland, he said, that's your problem, lady. You still got it. You haven't used any of it. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that that's a good way to answer. I'm just saying that that's the issue with a lot of people. They have a lot of faith. They, they've heard a lot of tapes. They've heard a lot of CDs. They've, they've watched a lot of videos but they're not expending any of their faith. You, you, cannot, you, you cannot build your faith while giving your attention to things that deplete it. At the very least, you're canceling it out. Amen. Do you see that? So James chapter 1 and verse 8, very familiar verse, but notice what he says. A double-minded man is unstable. Notice this phrase, in all of his ways. Not just some, all of them. The Phillips translation says, that sort of man cannot hope to receive anything from the Lord and the life of a man of divided loyalty will reveal instability at every turn. So I have to be loyal to one or the other. I have to be loyal to what God said in His Word or loyal to the circumstance. I can't have divided loyalty. Because it says that it will reveal instability at every turn. So as believers, I can't, as a believer, I can't afford to have a divided loyalty. So my loyalty has to be to the Word of God alone. The Amplified Bible says, For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute. Notice what it says about him. He is unstable, unreliable, uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. Why? He's a man of two minds. He's a man of two minds. And so that means that everything he thinks, feels, and decides is unstable and unreliable. Well, you know, Pastor, I don't know if I like that. Take it up with the author. I didn't write it. What the Scripture says. Well, what, what's two minds? That The word, when it says unstable, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. It talks about a man that's vacillating. The, the Greek picture is a person that's standing on one issue and trying to stand on the other issue, and they keep shifting. That makes that person unreliable, unstable, uncertain about everything they, they think or feel. You know, as a believer, nothing should be able to change your mind about what God said. Yeah, but there's no yeah, but. There's no yeah, but scripture. There's no scripture that says, you know, uh, 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 faith is the victory that overcomes the world, and then in parentheses, yeah, but. No. Faith, period, is the victory that overcomes the world. So nothing should be able to change my mind, and the only way my mind can be changed is if I am giving my loyalty to something else. Right? Hallelujah. So people that are, well, let me say this. Uncertainty comes from giving our thoughts to something other than the Word. Remember, I, I taught 
back at the, towards the end of last year, the first part of this year, we taught through the book of Galatians. And Paul asked the Galatians this question. He said, those of you that want to be under the law, let me ask you a question. Where'd this persuasion come from? Right? When you're tempted to worry and tempted to fear and tempted to be anxious, where'd that come from? Right? See, I've, I've, I've got to sit and ask myself those questions. Why, why is that there? Why, why is that trying to turn me? Why, why am I thinking that way? Because if that's where my attention's at, if that's what's holding my attention, then that's the direction I'm going to go. Amen. So people who are unstable and unreliable have a divided focus. Faith requires focus. It requires that you be all in about what God said. Hallelujah. Completely, 100%. What did God say? And then that's your focus. When Paul was writing in the book of Romans to the church at Rome, and he was talking about the blessing that was going to come on the Gentiles by being brought into Christ, and the Jewish people were having a problem with it, and Paul wrote to them, and notice what he said. He said, uh, what does the Scripture say? I taught, I taught a series on that. What does the Scripture say? What's the Word say about it? Because that, that's what the truth is. Right? If, if somebody came up to you, coming to this church or, or going to another Word church where you're taught that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that old things are passed away and all things have become new. If somebody came up to you and said, well, you know, you're just an old sinner saved by grace, well, you'd almost laugh at them. Well, dear God, I'm not an old sinner. Can't be an old sinner saved by grace. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm a saint. I'm, I'm the beloved. I'm a child of God. Right? Well, you're that sure about that because that has had your focus. You've got to be that sure about everything the Bible says. It's what the Scripture says. Amen. Somebody asked me one time, how can you be so joyful? Because that's what Scripture says. It says rejoice evermore. Is that what it says? It said, in all things, give thanks. Y'all ever read that Scripture? In all things, give thanks because this, the giving of thanks, is the will of God concerning you. Amen. Sometimes people ask me, how you doing? I say, outstanding, but I'm improving. <laughs> Amen. Super good, but I'm getting better. Well, that's just being positive. No, that is saying this is what has my attention. Amen. I preached on this Saturday night. Can, can I share this with you real quick? Y'all in a hurry? You going to dock me? But according to Scripture, and you can read it yourself, let, let's, let's run over there real quick because I want you to see this. In the book of Exodus, I've only got a couple other Scriptures, and uh, we'll be done, I think. Look at Exodus chapter 9. Now this is when uh, the plagues were coming on Egypt. I just want to show you something real quick. And uh, verse 3. Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon your cattle, which is in the field. Upon, this is to Pharaoh. Uh, the camels, the oxen, the sheep, there will be a very grievous moraine or sickness, mysterious sickness. And the Lord will sever. Notice this between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. Verse 6, And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the children of Israel's dead. In, in the chapter just behind that, chapter 8, verse 22, and I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end you may know I'm the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division 
between my people and your people. That word division means a redemption. It's the symbol of a blessing wall. Now is that in the scripture? What's that? Is that in the scripture? Okay. So there is a division between us and the world. There's a redemption between us and the world. There's a blessing wall between us and the world. Right? So I do not need to expect what they're expecting. Because there's a, there's a difference. I'm, all throughout Scripture, Egypt is always used as a type and figure and shadow of the world. Pharaoh is always used as a shadow of the devil, of the enemy of God. Amen. Goshen is always referred to as a place of safety for the people of God. And notice what happened. The Bible says that God said, I'm going to put a division between you and the world, and the things that come on the world are not going to come on you. They're not going to affect you. Yeah, but I know somebody. And what's, the word is personal. Your faith is personal. Your faith is not built on what happened to somebody else or what occurred in somebody else's life, this is personal between you and God. It is the Word of God to you. It is God's faith given to you. It is your faith. Amen. Now, right there in chapter 9, I want you to see this just real quickly. Notice this. Verse 24. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. Oh my, verse 26, only in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. And you read that over and over again when it talks about the darkness that was on the land of Egypt for three days, darkness that was so thick people wouldn't even move. It says it was darkness that was so thick you could feel it. And it said, but there was no darkness in Goshen. There was lice in Egypt, no lice in Goshen. Why? There's a redemptive wall between them, God's people, and the world. I've had people say, well, all of this is coming on the world. This is the judgment of God. Well, if it is, it's not going to touch me. There's a wall between me. What fell on Egypt was judgment because of Pharaoh's refusal to do what God wanted him to do. And God's, that, was, that was God's judgment being poured out on a rebellious nation that would not take God at His word and do what God asked. And in the middle of judgment being poured out, not one of God's people suffered the judgment that the world suffered because there was a blessing wall between them. Amen. Did, do you see that? Hallelujah. You are prospering and thriving in perilous times because there's a blessing wall between you and the curse. You cannot be devoured. Oh, now, pastor. No, no, what has your attention? Malachi 3 says that if you bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there will be meat in God's house, and that He will open the windows of heaven and pour out on you there's a blessing that cannot be received, and that He would rebuke the devourer for your sake. And it said, nothing that you own will cast its fruit before the time in the field. Your crops won't go to waste. You won't lose anything. Why? You are a tither. You have tither's rights. There's a covenant of blood between you and the judgment that's trying to come on the world. It cannot come on me. Amen. I don't mind telling you that. And if you will keep your attention focused on it, yeah, but every time I turn the TV on, maybe you don't need to turn it on. Maybe you need to keep it off. Somebody sent my wife this thing. That I, I don't do social media, but they sent her something on Facebook, and it's two Amish guys talking. And one, you know, one looked at, and I'm not making fun of the Amish. I'm just saying, you know, that they, they don't have a lot of use for uh, electricity and, and modern conveniences. And the one looked at the other one and said, uh, well, wonder why COVID-19 hadn't affected us. And the other guy said, because we don't have TV. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm not making light of the challenges that people are facing. I'm saying you've got to determine what you're going to give your attention to. When you pull into your driveway tonight, it's got to be in your mind that the blood of Jesus surrounds your home. The angels of protection are around about your home. No evil will befall you. No plague will come in your home. It's not coming. not going to happen. Amen. And if it does, it drops dead on my doorstep. Amen. Why? Because I'm in charge of whether that happens or not. Hallelujah. The, the children of Israel had a choice. God said, I want you to put the blood on your doorpost, and when the destroyer passes through the land, where he sees the blood, he'll pass over that house. They didn't have to put the blood on the doorpost. They could have rebelled, but they chose to do it. And all around them, the firstborn of Egypt was dying in multiplied numbers that night. But it says not one member of the firstborn died in Israel because they put the blood on the doorpost. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus has been applied to the doorpost of your heart. You are protected from everything and anything the enemy can bring your way. Hallelujah. It, it cannot come near me. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, I feel the pressure. David said, even though I'm walking through the very valley of the shadow of death. I, you know how close you got to be to something to be under its shadow? you got to be right there. He said, if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil because you're with me. God said, I would never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you in a time of trouble. He said, when you go through the fire, it won't kindle around your feet. When you go through the water, you won't drown because I am your reward and your protector and your God and your king. My Lord. Got me preaching on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Amen. There's a blessing wall between us. And that's got to be my focus. That's got to be my attention grabber. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Oh, glory to God. Amen. Because that's what the Word says. That's what the Word declares. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. Look, look at uh, Luke 6. I think that's a good place to go. Hallelujah. But that, that, folks, that has to have your attention. I, this just keeps coming up in my spirit. Loss is not in your future. It's not in your future. Do you realize any time the world has went through great adversity, the church has thrived and prospered? Amen. When you read the book of Acts, it says that persecution came up. Acts chapter 6, chapter 7. It says that great persecution arose after the stoning of Stephen. And, and they were all dispersed. And it says, and the word of God grew and mightily prevailed. One of these days the devil's going to learn, maybe. He's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, so he may not. Every time he puts pressure on the church, we just rise to the occasion and thrive. Amen. Folks, listen to me tonight. We're built for times like this. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is built for times like this. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates, the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. You are a part of something that cannot be defeated and cannot be overcome. Glory be to God. Luke 6 and verse 48. Well, let's start in verse uh, 47. Oh, let's start in verse 46. <laughs> and why do you call me Lord, Lord, do not the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and doeth them, I will show you to who he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and, notice this, could not shake it. 
but it was founded on a rock. Now notice there's some things you have to see here. You have to dig. Doesn't just happen. I got to dig. My pastor told a story one time. Uh, years ago, they had a, 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 a big St. Bernard. And he said the people behind him had uh, uh, little beagle dogs. And he said those little beagle dogs would jump up on, the, on their dog houses and, and bark and just yap, you know, is what beagles do. And he said uh, uh, that every now and then their St. Bernard would go over and look through a knot hole and he'd just, woof. And, and he said those, those little beagle dogs just scatter. And he said one day one of them got curious about what was over on the other side of that fence and he jumped over the fence. And he said he was just kind of moseying around the yard. And he said there, St. Bernard finally saw that little dog and just got up and kind of lumbered over towards him. He wasn't mean, you know, wasn't a bad dog. He was just going to see this new dog over here. And he said that little beagle saw that big St. Bernard coming. And he said he just ran over the fence and started just digging as fast as he could. And he said he got halfway under and he, he got hung halfway. And he said, I could just imagine what was going through his mind. The last thing he saw was this big dog coming towards him. <laughs> Amen. Now, he made the statement. He said, sometimes the only time people dig is when the devil's coming after them. Right? But you got to dig. You got to dig deep and do what? He said, found your house on a rock. A house throughout the four Gospels is always indicative of your life your house is your life jesus talked about uh 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 you uh, uh uh that when you let your light shine and you light your your light that it gives light to the whole house talking about your life so you got to take your life and notice dig deep until you what you hit the rock and put your foundation down and notice what he said notice this he said the flood would rise and the stream would be on that house. But notice this. Very often people say it won't be able to destroy it. It says here it won't even be able to shake it. Is that what it says? Could. Could not or would not. Could not. Could not shake it. So the flood rose against that house. The stream beat against it. But it couldn't shake it because it was founded on a rock. That's your focus. You have to dig. You have to focus. If we keep our focus on the word, the storm can come, the flood can come, but we won't be shaken. Amen. The wind can blow, but we're not going to be shaken. There's an old colloquialism from West Texas that was this. It said, you know, uh, the dog may bark, but the train keeps going. You know, train comes through town, blows the whistle, all the dogs start howling and barking. I don't know how many of y'all were raised in small town America. Uh, the little town in West Texas I was raised in only had 387 people in it. And uh, those trains would roll through and all the dogs would bark and howl. But you know, the train never once stopped. Just kept going. Amen. One time, uh, somebody said to Dr. Summerall about something he couldn't do. And he said, well, he said, uh, I'm like Caleb and Joshua going into the promised land. He said, there might be giants. He said, but I'm just going to kill them and fertilize the earth with their body. <laughs> if the devil can run you off, he will. But you have to make sure I'm, I'm not the running kind. Amen. Remember that song Merle Haggard made famous? I've always been the running kind. I'm not the running kind. Amen. You're not the running kind. Say out loud. I'm not the running kind. See, there's something in between you and the world. You got to give your focus to that. What scripture say? Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So, so never... Put more confidence in the devil's ability to steal, kill, and destroy than you do in God's ability to keep, protect, and give you life. Amen. And I don't know ever, I'm just saying this as your pastor, as advice. Before you go to bed tonight, 
you make sure that you're in that place of peace. Everything is going my way. Yeah, but they said, listen, that's the problem with they said. Jesus, let me finish with this. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say I am? And they said, well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say one of the other prophets. Notice what Jesus said. But who do you say I am? Faith is what you say. Yeah, but they're saying, yeah, but what do you say? It's what I say. Right? I say I'm blessed going in and coming out. I say I'm healed in every part of my body. I say that every disease, germ, and virus that touches me dies instantly because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is coursing, flowing through my body, and the spirit life of 1 Peter 2.24 is keeping me healthy and well. That's not just preaching fodder. That's how we live. Amen? And you know what? We're going to come out on the other side in victory. You believe that? Amen. Well, let's stand up, everybody. Praise God. Good to see you.